This is the second time we're doing with Hashem's help this, this class. And the design of the class, the, the style of Midrash is, I give you papers. Some say it's for a fan. There's a lot of explanations for why I give out papers. Some say it's for souvenirs. And some say it's actually learning. We pick a theme, a thought, an idea in the Pasha, and we explore it on various levels, different mafarship, different insights, and we always finish the discussion with what Hasidah says on the Pasha. This week is Pasha's Masay, Matas Masay. Matas Masay is a very long kriya, it may be the longest kriya of the year, it just goes on. It's like 260 psukim, get ready, Shabbos, and <laughs> show the Valkyrie is never going to finish. It's very, very long. And it's natural, there's a lot of different themes, a lot of different ideas. And I chose what is probably the most basic. From a perspective of Hasidus, you couldn't f- pick a more classic, a more Yasidistic discussion on this week's Pasha mm-hmm. to touch on. And that's the story of Hecholtzu. Hecholtzu, the Maimon of Hecholtzu, the idea of Hecholtzu. The Torah tells us, the Torah tells us that there was a nation called Moyav. Mayav, Mayav had an issue. What was Mayav's issue? That the Jews were a little too close for comfort. They were sitting mamish on their border. If you've read the Chumash, you know, right? The Yidin made our Went all the way around um, Edoin and Mayav and Amoy because they were not allowed to attack their relatives, right? Edom is the descendants of Esau, and Ammon and Moab are the descendants of Light. So they circled all around them, they went southeast, and then from the south to the north, east of Moab, they circled around, and they came to the northern border of Moab, on top of Moab. And they wanted to go with that throw. So Amoidi didn't like it. Amoidi was sitting above Moab, if, if, if you're familiar with the Israeli map, I suppose you would consider this uh, Syria is a little bit higher and Jordan is a little bit lower and I guess Saudi Arabia is someplace underneath. So they circled all the way around in what it would be Arabia, all the way around, and they came up in what would be called Jordan and they wanted to cross from Chutzlaj into Israel opposite Yerichai. Again, I, if you've seen a map of Israel, you know where that is. So the people of Amoidi didn't like it. Their northern neighbors didn't like it. They started a war and they got beat up. They were wiped out. So Yidna still sitting on Gavul Amoidi, Arnoin, it's called Arnoin. The, the whole northern flank, all the nations to the north that were supposed to protect them are gone, finished, erased with the face of the earth. And Yidna sitting on Moyev's border, right there on Moyev's border. Moyev was relying that Amoidi is going to protect them. That these northern neighbors, they were their protectorates, they paid them taxes, they paid them money. They should protect them against the onslaught of the Yidin. And Amoidi doesn't exist. They're in history books. So Moya goes into a panic. Who could blame Moya? I'd go into a panic too, right? So they called Bilam to curse the Yidin. They called Bilam to curse the Yidin. Bilam comes. He tries to curse the Yidin three times. And he fails. Three times in a row, Bilam tries to curse the Yidin and he fails. He blesses them. Everything he tries turns upside down on its head. Rashi says that the Gemara says that if you look at the brachas, you can understand what he was planning to curse. He had some pretty good curses set up for Kuala Yisrael. 
Then, after he fails three times, after Bilam attempts on three different occasions to curse Klai Yisrael and he fails, so the Tana tells a very interesting passage. In fact, this is Pasha's Bolak. And now I'm going to give you a Eitzah. What this people is going to do to your people, but at the end of time. Okay, I'm going to repeat this passage again. Now I'm going to give you an Eitzah. Give you counsel, advice. What these people hidden are going to do to your people, but at the end of time. Says Rashi. That this Pasuk has to be split in half. Bilam says to Balak, Now I'm going to give you an Eitzah how to get Yidin into trouble. I'll give you an Eitzah what to do. And then, in addition, he says, Listen, i got a secret for you. You don't have to worry about the Jews. They're going to swallow up Moyev. They're going to destroy Moyev. They're going to conquer the world. But not now. In hundreds and thousands of years from now. That's how you read the Pasuk. I'll give you an eight of what to do with the Jewish people. That's number one. Stop. And then he tells them, by the way, what the Yidna are going to do tomorrow, it's not today, it's not tomorrow, it's not next week, it's at the end of time. Now that's a great consolation. If you learn to Chumash, Bilam says all these wonderful things about what's going to happen to Yidna in the future. Bilam predicts Mashiach. And Bilam and Bolak are thrilled. They're so happy to hear about Mashiach. Why? He's not coming now, he's coming later. You understand? That was Bilaam's Kavon. Bilaam says the most beautiful thing that anybody ever said about Mashiach was said by Bilaam Arasha. But Bilaam's whole intent is to say, don't worry, it's not today, it's in a long, long time from now. So he's predicting Mashiach, saying the most beautiful things, the most profound, the most encompassing things about Kal Yisrael. But from Bilaam's perspective, He's pushing it off, not now. But it also says the Yosef, I'll give you a counsel. What was the Eitzah? The Eitzah was to get Yidin to do Avedis. That wasn't the Pasha. And they did. And they were successful. Yidin did Avedis. And there was a plague. Thousands of Jews died. It's hard to know exactly how many thousands of Yidin. But lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of Yidin passed away. A minimum of 20 some thousand. Could be. Uh, there's an implication in the Rashi 186,000 Jews. It's, it's an enormous number of Yidin, according to some uh, interpretations. There was a terrible, terrible... It, it has Nechomish, but take a look in Rashi. Each Shefer should kill two. And the Cheshmer, how many Shefer there were. Take a look in Rashi. But okay. Then, the passage continues, that last week's Pasha, Hashem says, Pinchas, Pinchas is a hero. Why is Pinchas a hero? Because Pinchas ended the Magev, ended the plague. And then it says in last week's Pasha, in last week's Pasha, Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu to take, to, to, um, as Hamidyanim You should take vengeance, the common, take revenge against the Midyanim, you should hit them. And then the Taylor gets distracted. Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu to take revenge against the Midyanim, the people of Midian. And then it changes the subject. It starts counting hidden. It talks about other things. And in our Pasha, it starts all over again, the same thing again. Last week's Pasha, Hashem said to Meshach Rabbeinu, take revenge of the Midyan of And then we change the subject. 
our Pasha, Pasha's Matas Masay, you have again, Hashem says to Meshe Rabbeinu, Nikayim Nikmas Bnei Yisroam Eisam Midyonim, that Hashem tells Moshe that the Jewish people should avenge what Midyon did. So if you have, these pages are numbered. If you're fortunate enough to have a copy, or in any place in the vicinity of a copy, they're numbered pages 1 through 14, but I think there's like a 10A and a B, but it's 15 size. I'm sorry. Lina the next time. God Almighty speaks to Meshe Rabbeinu. Lamed, what's the title of the word? Lamed, who knows Hebrew? Lamed means Ebetzazagim, to say it over again. Why we were taught in Chedet Lamed as Ebetzazagim? Because we're not supposed to know what Uchumish means. It's supposed to be holy. Lamed means to repeat. Ebetzazagim. Ba'idavad Hashem, Amayishu God Almighty, says to Meshe Rabbeinu, Lamed, you repeat. Nekayim, avenge. Nikmas B'nai Yisrael, the vengeance of the B'nai Yisrael, the Jewish people. Me'eis HaMidyonim, from the people of Midian. Achad, and afterwards, Te'osef HaLamechem, you're going to pass away. Page 3. Okay? Vaydaber Moshe Lohom Leimah, Moshe Rabbeinu speaks to the people, and he tells them, Hecholtzu, mobilize, me'itchem from amongst you, anoshim men, latzava for an army. Ve'yihiyu al Midian, and they will be from the outside higher than Midian. Lot says to place Nikmas Hashem, the vengeance of the Abishter, the Nikoma, the vengeance of the Abishter, of, of God Almighty, the Midian of the people of Midian. And there was a war. 12,000 Jews were mobilized, 1,000 from each Shevet. And they were given a Bsura Taiva. Listen, you 12,000 Tzadikim, it says in Sfan, they were not ordinary soldiers. You're going to go and fight, now one of you is going to die. And you're going to wipe out Midian. And when you finish, Moshe is going to pass away. It sounds like a good. So they didn't want to go? They didn't want to go. Rashi says 40 years, they're fighting with Moshe Rabbeinu about a box of tissues. Anything Moshe Rabbeinu does, they have complaints. So now they're finally told, Moshe's going to pass away, we're not going. <laughs> they have to be forced. I'll be if I can't. Funny people, Yidin. Dying the Mavish, They didn't want to go to be forced. 12,000 men went to fight with a nation. They came back without a scratch. And in this week's Pasha, the story is told in, in great detail. There are many questions on these psukim. Okay? Now remember, Bolok was the king of Moyov, not Midian. Remember, there's Moyov and there's Midian. Okay? Moyov is afraid of the Jewish people. Why are they afraid of the Jewish people? They're sitting on their border. Where's Midian? Someplace else. Moyov and Midian, Ranagven of Meses. Moyov and Midian couldn't stand each other's guts, they were constantly fighting. All of a sudden, the Jews showed up on the scene, they're best friends. It's called the common enemy. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? Or something like that, right? <laughs> All of a sudden, Midian and Moyev became friends. And when Moyev is afraid of Yidin, but Moyev has a good reason to be afraid of Yidin, Midian pokes his neck out. Ah, we're here too. Let's get the Yidin in trouble. Right? So the first thing is, looking back to Pasik Beis, I'm going back to page one again. You should avenge the vengeance of B'nai Yisrael from the people of Midian. Why not? The people of Mayav are also liable. They also cause Yidin to do Avedis, cause Yidin to sin. Right? And it says, Nikmas B'nai Yisrael, the Nekama of Yidin, the vengeance of Kal Yisrael. The next passage it says, Moshe tells the Jewish people, we're going to go fight a war. Law says, Nikmas. Hashem be Midian, the vengeance of God Almighty in Midian. So Hashem tells Moshe, avenge the Jewish people. Moshe tells Yidin, let's avenge for the Abishter. So right there you have an interesting 
complexity, right? Hashem says, take revenge for Klal Yisrael, and Moshe says, take revenge for Hashem. But the primary question, the real question we have, is Hashem is telling the Jewish people to punish Midian. Moyev scot free. Moyev was the one who started this whole thing. Bullock recruited Bilam to curse Eden. Bullock was from Moyev. So Bullock is not being punished, just Midian. Why? Why, not? Why doesn't Hashem say, punish Moyev as well as Midian? All the people who caused the Jewish people to sin should be punished. This is the question. So we read Rashi first. We read Rashi first. I hope you have arrows. Do you have arrows on page one? You have arrows on page one. We should have two arrows. Right? Hashem says to the Yidin, to Meshach Rabbeinu, you should avenge what happened to the Jewish people from Midian. What about Mayav? Says Rashi, and not the people of Mayav. Why not? Poshet. The people of Mayav were a reason to fear the Jewish people. They were afraid of Eden. They were afraid. They're sitting on their border. They just absolutely destroyed their protectorates, their guardians, Emoidi. So Mayav was afraid. So they called Bilam to curse Klai Yisrael. But who asked Midian to get involved? You're not even in the neighborhood. They were afraid. That they're going to abuse them and take their wealth. Right? The Jewish people would not engage in battle against Moya, but they could harass them. The people of Midian, they got involved in the politics, they got involved in a war, they got involved in a struggle, it was none of their business. Midian came out of the wilderness to start up with the Jews, they had no business getting involved. So Hashem says to Moshe, Moya had every right to do what they did. Midian, bad people, punished them. There's another thing Rashi has to say. There are two good pridas, two means offspring, children. That are going to come forth in the future from them. Pridas means young birds. Who are these two pridas? Says Rashi, Rus. You have to go all the way to page four. Rus amayavia, venama minus. Right, Rus, everybody knows who Rus is. Everybody knows who Nama was. Nama, I believe, was the mother of. Rechavam, Shleim HaMelech's successor, Shleim HaMelech's son Rechavam who succeeded him, his mother was Nama Amenis. These were two princesses, two queens. Rus is the, the matriarch of, of David HaMelech and Shleim HaMelech and so forth and so on. So Rashi says, two pshatim. Why is only Midian attacked in Atmoya? Because Midian got involved in something that wasn't their business. Or a second shot. Because Hashem spirit Moya, of course Tzadikim were going to come from it. I saw one of the Mepharshim. One of the Mepharshim says that, yeah, it's true. When Balak, when Moyav tried to curse Klal Yisrael because they were afraid of Klal Yisrael, they had, a, they had a reason to do it. But when they caused Yidin to sin, they were unjust. They had no reason to cause Yidin to sin. And therefore, we have to have the second shot of Rashi. Rashi says, first of all, because Moyav had every right to fear the Jewish people, and second of all, Hashem didn't want to punish Moyav because Sadiqim were going to come from them. This is Rashi. Okay? Now, okay, enough. Turn to page five. Page five is an alshich. Tadas Moshe alshich. The alshich. And the alshich has the same question that Ashi has. The question is, why is Hashem commanding the Jewish people to punish only Midian? Why is he punishing Moyev? 
This is a very interesting thing that you should have an arrow, right? You have an arrow? Yes? You have an arrow? Yes. We discussed earlier. There's two types of Avedas. Listen to what the Alshech says. One that was brought about to the daughters of Moyav. The others to the daughters of Midian. What's the difference? These were people who made people eat and do Avedas. But there was a difference. Listen to this. The daughters of Moyav made the common Yidin sin. This is a lotion from the Al Sheikh. Asher b'shem Am Yechuna. They were called the nation. Okay, b'zim ubalakeim. The various averes. Ach benoyis Midian, the daughters of Midian. Loisamu pneim. They were not satisfied with making ordinary Jewish people sin. Rak lahatayz gam to cause a mistake and an avera. As asher b'shem Yisrael Yechuna. Jewish people called Yisrael. They snaklu and they schemed and they used trickery and deception, lability to cause even b'shem Yisrael Yechuna. In other words, the Alshech says like this: the people of Maya caused Yidden to sin, the people of Midian caused Yidden to sin. There was a difference. The people of Maya caused Yidden to sin, who were capable of falling into sin. The people of Midian wanted to find Sadikim. The righteous, pious Jews. The language that he uses is Asher b'shem Yisrael Yechuna. They were called Yidden, and they used all kinds of tricks, all kinds of schemes, all kinds of techniques and schemes to get the Yidden to sin. Okay, vayisnaklu. What was their trick? Lebilti havi me'alekayim. The only god that they brought was Rakas Peir. They had many gods. They worshipped many gods. So the 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 Midianites, who were not satisfied with making Yidden sin. They had to make tzaddikim sin. Brought only the avedizara peir. What's the avedizara peir? It's a very lowly worship. That that it's so dishonorable that if you wouldn't know it was an avedizara, you would think it's a disgrace. The yitum kizvehim, and they tricked, they caused the Jewish people to be deceived by kizvehim by their lies. Be'amarlahem, they told the Jewish people, Al nevakish techabdu mechubadem esapsilim. We're not telling you to honor our avedizaras. The Avedizara of Peir was, 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 was essentially using the bathroom. That was the Avedizara. So the people of Mayav caused Yidin to sin. They caused Yidin to sin because they found weak Jews. The people of Midian, they went and looked Dafka for Tzadikim. Dafka for people who would never sin. And they tricked them into telling them, this is not an Avedizara. This is some, a lowly behavior. And they were able to trick even Tzadikim into sinning. In other words, the difference between Moyev and Midian was Moyev came to Yidin and says, I want you to do an Aveda overtly. They didn't hide. They said, I want you to do an Aveda. So some Yidin did the Aveda, other Yidin didn't do the Aveda. Midian came along and says, no, it's not an Aveda, it's no big deal. So Midian's technique, Midian approach was devious. It was deceptive. It was duplicitous. You know what that means? It was double layered. And this is why the Abishtah was so upset with Midian that they caused Tzadikim to sin. Ubadavar Azeh, three lines from the bottom. Three lines from the bottom of this thing. Gama Shabeshem Yisrael Yichnutau, even Yidin, who are not called Am, the nation of Hashem. But Yisrael, the elevated Yidin, also did the Aveda. But Amram, they said to themselves, Mali Yoyd Laveda Zara Azeh, what kind of Aveda Zara this is? This is no big deal. 
Right? This was a difference between Maya and Midian. I want to explain something to you briefly. No long speeches, but just a short little thing. Historically, there have been many Avedizadis. Right? And what you don't know, don't hurt you. If you don't know about Avedizadis, you're not missing anything. Thank God, we're, we're all ignorant when it comes to Avedizadis. There was a halacha that required the Sanhedrin to be expert at all the Avedizadis. Okay? But we're not in the Sanhedrin. But the halacha was that there are standard worships. <coughs> Any Avedizara, if you're menasech, you pour wine, you're makarev, you bring close an offering, or you're makarev, you offer it up, or you bow down to it, it's an Avedizara. Any idol worship in the world, any kind of pagan, any kind of idol worship that you uh, do, these four Avedis, it's terrible. Then there are really, really stupid Avedizaras. They're real Avedizaras, they make no sense at all. For example, there was an Avedizara called Markulis. What's Markulis? They would stand up two stones vertically, upright, and put across a stone horizontally, and then they would throw a stone at the middle stone, and it would fall off, and they worshipped idols. Why? I don't have a clue. Okay? But this is called Markulis. This is about Markulis. This guy is. There was an Avedizara called Markulis. You put up two vertical stones. Across the top, you put a horizontal stone. And you threw a rock at it, and if you hit it, then you were a good servant of such and such an idol. What was the intent? It's very mystical, it's very hard to explain. It's, it's like, like bowling, right? Primitive bowling, very good. Okay, so the Gemara actually tells a story. One of the Gemara tells a story of one of the Amaroyim, who walked by this Avedizara Markulis. He knew it was an Avedizara. He just didn't know how you worship it. So he wanted to shame the Avedizara, Say, so pick up a stone and he threw it at it. And the Gemara said that he was who would think that this would be an idol worship? So there's two things. There are standard Avedizadas, standard worships, the four things that I mentioned, bowing and spilling wine and so forth. And then any idol worship, whatever its mishagas, whatever its stupidity is, the Avedizara Pa'er was Avedizara, the whole idea was Zaymamaychal. Use the bathroom. That was the Avedizara. That was the whole Avedizara. What's the logic? What doesn't make it? It doesn't have to make any sense. <laughs> when we were kids growing up, he tells us that the Avedizara was like this. He says, once upon a time, the people were big chachamim, and uh, they used to go to this place to meditate. And they would get very, very deep into these meditations. And then there's two opinions. One opinion is that they push it, would forget about their bodily needs, and it became, it became a latrine. And the other item was they were in the middle of their meditations. They didn't want to interrupt. So they used this place also for a Baisakisi. Time passed. They didn't get smarter. So what was left was the Baisakisi. That was what remained. For the whole of Vedazara was left was the Dedas. So the Benais Mayav come to Yidin and they make them sin, but they don't like it and say, I want you to do an Aveda. The Benais Midian say, use the bathroom. So this is why the Eibishter says the Benoist Midian has to be punished more than the Benoist Mayav. Turn the page, turn to page 6. Next paragraph. Oid nosim l'derach pa'ameinu. You see what I'm reading? Oid, the second arrow. Oid nosim l'derach pa'ameinu. The Al-Sheikh is going to offer us a whole different pshat. Now, what is our question? 
Two peoples made Yidin sin. The people of Midian, the people of Mayav. How come Hashem says punish only Midian? So the first, so Rashi says, because it was none of their business. Who asked you to get involved? And besides, there's no Tadiq Muhammad for Midian anyway. The Alshuk's first chat is, because Midian didn't come to the Yidin and say, sin, he said, no big deal. It's nothing. It's pure. It's, it's a waste. It's, 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 it's disgraceful. It's not honorable. That, they, they tricked Yidin, that's how they were punished. He brings a Nacha Gedank, this Alshech, and it reads directly like a Sikh, a Mamash. It reads like a Sikh. Listen to this. There's another way to approach, to walk down through this question and through this issue. And that is as follows. This is what we resolve. You see what I'm reading. All the notes, all the thoughts we've listed above, with the help of the Abish. He said like this. There's two types of war. Yes, you with me? You have the place. There is a type of war where you're hiding nefesh where you murder a person's nishome, by causing him to sin. You kill a person's soul. And there's another form of war that you kill his body, you make his body not alive. You murder a person with a sword. But you leave his soul alone. One type of enemy tries to destroy the Jewish soul. The other type of enemy tries to destroy the Jewish body. He leaves the soul alone. He doesn't like Jewish people. But the Neshama Chepetanish, he leaves the soul alone. Okay? The Gam. He's not causing the Jew's soul to become Tommy through an Aveda. The Gam Even though his soul. Mingav tegurish You have to know Hebrew to know what this means. But it means, I think, it's going to be kicked out of the body. When the body is dead, the neshama is going to go anyway. Right? A person's goof doesn't live, the neshama goes to Ganeden. But one person picks on the neshama. He wants to contaminate the person's neshama. The other person says, I don't like you. I want to remove the goof. The neshama I'm leaving alone. And that's the... But Lenifkema... If you don't, if, a, if an enemy of the Jewish people, hurts the goof of a yid, and doesn't touch the neshama, the neshama goes back to the Eibishter. Says the Alshech, an, an alternate interpretation. This is the difference between Midian and Moyov. Midian's whole endeavor was to destroy the Jewish soul. Moyov, they wanted the Jews out of the hair. That's it. Just go away. Just don't be near me. Go be near somebody else. That's it. Okay, Hasugarish in the first category, Atzma Eid is much worse. Kinogada Nefesh Vayemisena, because he's touching the Nishama. Exactly. And he's killing the soul. Mashainke Hasugasheni, as opposed to the second category, Shalehara Gakasachem Ulavadi, kills only the body of Allah. Right? Now, to be honest, what the Maisavid this is, you need a very Eid Alachush. You know, we are Labavachal, yeah? So we were brainwashed with this. We grew up with this. That Misa Ruchnis is worse than Misa Gashmis in Hanyem Yoyim. Spiritual death is worse than physical death. But when you live in a physical world, it's very difficult to explain to an ordinary person. But this is what Alshech is saying. Alshech is saying, Midian tried to destroy the Nisham of Yidin. Moyev wanted the goofiest of Yidin. Just don't sit on my border. That's it. And he explains, he goes on to say, that's why Edoim tried to destroy the Jewish people. Mitzrayim tried to destroy the Jewish people. 
Hashem says, be nice to them. But when nations touch the Jewish neshama, uh, they have no sheikhs to call Yisrael. And this argues the Rebbe is the different, the, the Alsech, I'm sorry, between Midian and Mayav. Okay, I'm starting the new paragraph, if you don't mind. Yes, it's on page 6. That's the right paragraph at the bottom. The reason Hashem says to avenge Midian more than Moyav is because they wanted to hurt Yidin on both levels. They touch Jewish souls. They cause the Yidin to do Avedis, which Hashem doesn't like. Moreover, something that touches Hashem personally, to make them worship idols. The problem wasn't that they made Yidin sin. The problem wasn't that they caused people to die. The problem was that they wanted to destroy the Jewish souls. And the Al-Sheikh is indicating that this is the difference between Midian and Moyav. Why does Hashem say, avenge Midian and don't avenge Moyav? Because Moyav wanted to get the bodies of the Jews out of their lives. Just, however, just get them away. Midian, Rahman al-Islam, wants to make Yidin Tami. Do a Vedas to contaminate their soul. Okay? So now, let's summarize. Let's catch our breath, let's summarize. Why are we picking on Midian and Moyav? Rashi says, because what are you getting involved? It's nothing to do with you. The Alshah gave us two interpretations. The first thing the Alshah says is that Midian came to Yidin and didn't say, do an Aveda. They said, what's wrong? Moyav came to the Yidin and said, do an Aveda. Someone comes to you and tells you to sin, and you sin, it's your fault. But someone who comes to Yidin is a tzaddik. The language of the Alshah is, not b'shem am yichunah, but b'shem Yisrael yichunah, the more elevated, the more pious Jews. And says, we're going to trick them into doing an Aveda. This is why Midian was punished. A second interpretation, says the Al-Sheikh, is because Midian was not concerned with moving away the bodies of the Jewish people, as was Moyav. They want to contaminate our souls, and therefore we take revenge against Midian. Okay, that's enough. Enough Al-Sheikh. Okay? Flip over your package. Now we're doing page 7. And now we're reading an Abarbanel. Okay? An Abarbanel is also from the Akhreinim. Very nice uh, mefarish, and he has some very interesting things that he says over here. It's like interesting things. It's interesting things. Let's go back. Let's wind back the tape a little bit. The goyim caused him to do a verse. The goyim caused him to do a verse. Now you have to try to visualize what happened. You have to try to visualize this story. We read Chumash. One of the things that we frequently do not do is visualize the reality of it. Because when you visualize the reality at the end of Pasha's Bullock, it's, it's a pretty powerful story. Yidna are in the Midbar 40 years. Okay? During those 40 years, they quetched and complained and argued and bickered and tainted over and over again. But eventually they got used to the Midbar. And they certainly got used to Moshe. Moshe was Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was a great Rebbe. Right? And I figure, it sounds reasonable and logical 
And he did not respect to Moshe Rabbein. They had tainus, they didn't understand this, they didn't understand that. They had tainus to Moshe Rabbein. But for somebody to pick on Moshe Rabbein personally was a little bit beyond the pale. Right? To pick on Moshe Rabbein. To pick on Moshe Rabbein in front of the whole cloud Yisrael is a chutzpah It's such a disgrace, it's such a dishonor. The lowest person. To, to attack Moshe, even Dothan and Avidam and Koirach. They didn't pick on Moshe, they picked on Adam. <laughs> and that was in the beginning of the 40 years. They've been in the Midbar 40 years. They've been eating one 40 years, learning Taylor 40 years. You figure something happened to Klal Yisrael. Kumt against Zimri. Zimri, a leader of Klal Yisrael. This chaos, this chaos, in a in the Jewish camp. Yidna doing Avedis, and they're dying like flies. The Tutavedis will stop refilling. And the Sanhedrin, this is what says the Chumash, the Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin are standing there judging people, mass production, hanging people. The people who are with Avedizad, who did Avedis, were being killed. So the Jewish camp is in absolute chaos. This guy Bilam, this Rosh Hashanah Bilam, he tried to curse the Jews once, he failed. He cursed the Jews twice, he failed. He cursed the Jews three times, he failed. So he said, Iyadcha, get the Jews to sin. And unfortunately, he was brilliantly successful. He knew what weaknesses to pick up. And the Jewish camp is in chaos. It's in absolute chaos. Chaos. You're talking about millions of people. This is Nitzvah Drayidin. You understand? 600,000 men between 20 and 60. So you have how many younger people? And how many older people? And how many wives? And how many children? And how many Eid You're talking about several million people. And there's chaos on a mass scale. People are sinning all over the place. People are dying. People are being hung. Moshe Rabbeinu was standing in the center of this whole chaos. Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu. After 40 years of taking care of this stubborn necked people, yeah, who in a week later don't want to go to war because they don't want Moshe to die, you understand? Just one week, Pasha, later. Yeah? And he's, he's, he's so upset. It says in the Pasha, hey, my boy, the Pasha sitting and crying. How could this be happening? How could this be happening? Zimri approaches Moshe. Zimri, the chutzpanik Zimri. And he says, She, muteres le'asura. Can I marry her or not? So Moshe says, of course not. Really? Bas yisay mihitir aloch. You married a Midianite girl too? You're holier than me? But this didn't happen in an office. This didn't happen behind closed doors. The ganze Welt steht and cooked. The Jewish world is standing and watching. And this chutzpah niximri opens up a mouth to Moshe Rabbeinu. And Moshe is at a loss. Pinchas takes a spear. And he goes and he kills Zimri. What do you think Pinchas was thinking? This is, I hate to use the word, it was a suicide mission. There was no way Pinchas was going to survive. The people of Shimon were, were like hawks. Thousands of people. Pinchas kills Zimri. And the Gemara says, and it's brought in Tanya ten miracles occurred. Pinchas survives, right? Pinchas survives. And um, Hashem gives him the kahuna. Right? Remember last week's Pasha? Right? Yeah. Hashem gives him the kahuna. Yeah. So it says in the beginning of last week's Pasha, Pinchas has such courage. Pinchas did not go to live. Pinchas went to die. When Pinchas killed Zimri, in his mind, this was the end of him. Somebody had to speak out when you see such a chutzpah in a hazard. To stand in front of Moshe Rabbeinu with such disregard, disrespect, it was so beyond the pale that uh, 
Pinchas said, someone has to, somebody has to stand up to this chutzpanik. And if nobody's going to do it, it's going to be me. Pinchas went to give his life, push it for the honor of Meshe, for the honor of the Tater, and Hashem made an S. So the Abish gives him a, a, a matana, he becomes a koyan. Correct? Yeah. Thanks for nodding. Okay. Then it says in the Pasuk, I'm giving Pinchas as brisi shalom, my covenant of peace. My covenant of peace. What do I say? The next Pasuk. The next Pasuk. After this Pasuk that it says Hashem gives to Pinchas a covenant of peace, what does it say in the next Pasuk? It says in the next Pasuk, Nekeim Esamidyonim, you should take vengeance against the Midyonim, Vikisem Oisem, you should hit them. This is last week's Pasha, okay? Pinchas kills Zimri, Hashem gives Zimri Pinchas the Kohona, and He gives him a bracha of peace. Of shalom, of peace. Then it says in the next passage, you should take vengeance against Midian, Vikisem Oisem, you're going to hit them. And then what happens? Hashem forgets about it, changes the subject. Starts counting Jews, this mice, that mice, other mice. In our Pasha, Pasha's Mate, the Tater goes back to it. So the Abarbanel has a very interesting interpretation of this. And I'm going to ask you to follow me inside. Now, just, you have the first arrow. You see? For those of you who have copies, it's page 7 on the right side by the arrow. It says the Abarbanel, there are two separate things going on here. Pinchas kills Zimri and Cosby. Right? Pinchas kills Zimri. So tens of thousands of Shemanites want to kill him. Pinchas kills Cosby. So millions of Midianites want to kill him. <laughs> so everybody tells him like this. I promise you that with Shimon you're going to have peace. With Midian, they're never going to forget about you. They're always going to want to kill you. You might as well beat them up. That's how we touch it. Look at this. When Hashem says that He's giving Pinchas Aschad, it says, Hashem I promise Him He's going to have peace. What's peace? He just killed one of the leaders of Shevet Shimon. He explains, With whom is Pinchas going to have peace? Even though He killed one of the leaders of Shimon, they're going to forgive Him. Okay. What about Midian? They're never going to forgive him. days. Now, scoot down four lines. Just four lines. Avol. Avol is three words from the end. You see? Yes? Is there a comma there? Is there a comma before Avol? No comma. Avol, Layel, Shalom, and Amidyadim. He's never going to have peace with the people of Midian. The, the, the relatives of the woman he murdered. El to the contrary, she yits away, said they're going to oppress him, they're never going to leave him alone. They're going to come a time, they're going to hit them, you're going to have to hit them with the sword, and murder them, and wipe them out. When it said in last week's Pasha, Hashem says to the Jewish people, kill Midian, He's not saying they should kill Midian, He says Midian is not going to give you a choice, they're going to force you to kill them. Because they're not going to leave you alone. That's how you just. Look at the next words. In last week's Pasha, Pinchas kills Zimri. One man kills two people and he brings order to a camp of millions of people. Machana Yisrael was in chaos. Millions of Jews don't know what to do. 
Some are running around thinking it's a carnival. Some people are doing Avedis, some people are dying, some people are being killed. And the leadership is saying, what's going on? Forty years, Claudius is all sitting in Midbar. They didn't learn anything. Pinchas kills two people. And in an instant, everybody wakes up from this chaos. And Mavet mentioned, it's like, it's like it's, it, the impact of what Pinchas did was so powerful, so strong. It stopped the Magaifa and everybody starts to behave. They remember that they're people again, they're not monkeys. So Hashem said, I'm giving you a blessing of peace. Shimon won't bother you. Midyan, I promise you, you're never going to have peace with Midyan. You don't want to hit him today, you're going to have to hit him tomorrow. Well, not tomorrow, next week. They will never leave you alone. They will not bug off until you destroy them. That's how the Abba now teaches last week's Pasha. This week's Pasha, when Hashem says to take vengeance against Midyan, it's not a repetition, it's a different issue. Last week Hashem simply says, El Pinchas, I promise you that with Shimon you're going to have no trouble. With Midian, I promise you, you're not going to have peace. You're going to have to beat them sooner or later. In this week's Pasha, the Abishai says, Nikai, take revenge. It's not repetitious. The Tate is not saying the same thing two times. It's two different instructions. Okay? Omnam Atta, right? Does Omnam have a vertical line? Yeah, yeah a vertical line. Omnam Atta, Bamokam now, in Pasha's Matis. Tila Yezbarach Hashem commands Lilochem B'Midyonim to fight with Midian, Ulaakesim B'Pel to hit them in fact. Okay? Why? Why Midian? Why not Moev? Midian and Moev caused Jewish people to sin. How come we're picking up Midian and letting Moev get away scot-free? Okay? So he brings two pshatim. And you have on the left side of your page an aleph and a base. Emes? There's an aleph and a base. Now I have in front of me a clock. Which means... Oh. Which means that I have to be aware of time limits. So I can't read this with you inside, it'll take too long. But you'll take home the copies and you'll read them on your own. I'll tell you what it says here. The first part of Ababinah is a Chiddush Nifla. Unbelievable Chiddush. What Ababinah says? The daughters of Moyev never caused Yidin to sin. Now one girl from Moyev caused Yidin to sin. This guy Bolok wasn't such a bad guy. A lot of them are from say this, you should know. Bolok was the king of Moyev. He's afraid of the Yidin, they're standing at his threshold. He calls Bilam to curse Yidin and it doesn't help him. So Bilam says, listen, I have an Eitzah, make Yidin sin. Oh, and by the way, sure, Yidin are going to conquer Moya, but you know when? 3,000 years from today, or 300 years from today. Bolk says, really? It's not happening in my lifetime, not in your lifetime. It's not happening in my lifetime of my children or children. It's not happening in the lifetime of my grandchildren. I'm going home. They're not going to bother me, my children, my grandchildren. Bolak goes home, end of story. Bolak was the king of Moyev. He wasn't looking for trouble, he was looking for peace. Bilam tells him that they're going to destroy Moyev. He goes home, end of story. Bilam can't take it. Bilam can't love him. So he goes to Midian and says, You know, we tried to curse the Jews and we failed. But I have a different plan. Let's make Yidin sin. But the people of Moab don't want to do it. Why don't you dress up like Moabites and get them to sin? So the, the Venois Midian dressed up like Moabites. Why? Push it. If the people of Midian show up in the Jewish camp, they send them flying. What are you doing here? They came officially as peddlers. They're selling things. They're selling food. They're selling drink. They're selling jewelry. What's Midian selling jewelry to the Yidden? The Midian is, is many, many miles away. So they dressed up like Moyavites, who were the neighbors, right there, on the, of Granitz, right there on the border. And they said, we want to sell you things. And this is how the whole thing started. 
So Rabbanah says, you know why they took revenge only against Midian? Because only Midian caused you to sin, not Moev. It's a very, very big Hiddish, this Rabbanah. Because it has in the Pasuk. Trying to the Abraban, they thought they were Benoist Moyev, but they weren't. This is the first Pshat that he said. And the second Pshat is very similar to what the Al Sheikh said that the Benoist Moyev wanted them to do an Aveda, and the Benoist Median wanted them to do Aveda Zara, and more importantly, they used deception. The people of Midian used deception. Atkan Nigle. This is the end of this story, or this pasuk, to be more exact, on a nigla level. So now comes a summary. Okay, my middle initial is R. Let's repeat. Two nations caused Jewish people to sin. How come only avenging one? So Rashi says because Moyev had a reason to fear the Jewish people. Who asked Midian to get involved? Who are you? Second of all, for Midian there's not going to be any tzaddikim. For Moyev there's going to be Rus. So Moyev is spirit. That's what Rashi says. The Al Sheikh says that the reason we were so angry at Midian is because they tricked Yidin and caused Tzadikim to sin. Or alternatively, Midian wanted to destroy, destroy the Jewish soul. Moya wanted to destroy the Jewish body. The Abarbanel says, the Abarbanel says the people of Moya Bechal were not there. The Midianites dressed up as Moyavites to sneak into the Jewish camp, and it was only the Benoist Midian who caused Yidin to sin. So you have a variety of different ways of understanding. The bottom line is, the end of the story is, Yidin got into trouble. And they did Avedis. Thousands of Yidin died. And these Avedis were brought on by Bilam Arasha. The Rasha Bilam made Klal Yisrael sin by getting people to do Avedis with Klal Yisrael. And the Avedis says, take revenge. Take revenge for the contamination of Klal Yisrael. From who? For Midian. Right? You have a bunch of different interpretations. Agav, I want to share something tangential with you. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but this is, you should know, this is a, a limud that could uh, encompass the whole Torah. Do you know that every time it says in the Torah the word ace, it means something? Yeah. yeah. But ace is ha-shamayim, the ace ha-aretz, right? The ahafta, ace ha-sham ala-kecha, ace ha-sham ala-kecha tira, ace ha-sham ala-kecha tira, rabis tabi Every S has a meaning. In our Pasha it says, Nikoim Nikmas Bnei Yisrael May Ace Hamid Yonim. Why doesn't it say May Hamid Yonim? Who's the Ace? Who else you have to kill besides Midian? So the Rechaim HaKadosh says, that means Bilam. <laughs> May Ace Hamid Yonim, the Ace, this is Bilam. He's the troublemaker. He's the agitator. He's the source of it. It was a Rosham Arusha Ashtik Shlachts. He couldn't tolerate the Jewish people are sitting pretty. So he got Midian to cause Yidin to sit. Now we approach Chesidus. Until now we read a variety of different interpretations of Pinigle. And now we're going to turn to Chesidus, which begins on page 8. Chesidus has a classic approach to Midian. The Eibishter created Goyim. The Eibishter created a world. In the Eibishter's world there are forces that are represented by the nations. Every nation of the world is a force. It's a koyach. Most clippers, most things that are not good, have a good part. You know, there's an expression in Yiddish, the chazer vays dem kosher fizel. What that means, a Yiddish expression, Rashi says it in Chumash. A chazer, a pig, lives in filth, 
lives in 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 Piatabas, Piatabas, the din is a, a, a pig is considered a basakisin. You wash a pig down with a hose for ten hours, you're not allowed to say a brach in the presence of a pig. Why not? The pig is considered a basakisin. It's considered filth. He sits in the schmutz, he says, Look, I'm kosher. Got split hooves. He doesn't chew his cut, he's as safe as night. But he looks, I'm kosher. Every clipper, every clipper tries to present a favorable side. For example, there are clippers whose whole business is chesed, kindness. But kindness doesn't only mean kindness. Kindness means permissiveness. Kindness means do whatever you want. I don't bother me, I won't bother you. A nation that's permissive, plishtim, Plishtim is a nation that's permissive. I say that the, the West, the modern world we live in, this is uh, evolution from Plishtim. says, the what's tied to with Plishtim? Open, do whatever you want, no borders. Two vidavas. There's no rules, there's no, just don't hurt anybody. And they're doing tadaka and they're helping people. But they're also breaking down any definition of what separates people from animals. People are not animals. There's differences. There's sneers, there's responsibilities, there's right and wrong. As long as you don't hurt anybody, two other bills. But they don't come along and say, look at us, we're permissive. They say, we love people, we're so kind. Alternatively, you can have nations that are very good as such, very tough. And they're bloodlusty, they love hurting people. But they don't come along and say, we like to hurt people. Justice is very important. The law has to be enforced. If people are permissive, People are going to be not to be as active as I'm going to punish them, put them in jail, right? In America, they call them Democrats and Republicans. That's what they call them. Okay? <laughs> the Democrats say, do whatever you want. The Republicans say, we're going to fight for God. We're going to punish everybody. Why not? <laughs> they don't vote for us. What's not committed? But nobody comes along and says, I'm bad. Nobody says, I'm cruel, I'm permissive. Everybody comes along and advertises their greatest quality. Everybody comes along and says, it's about love. Or it's about law, it's about justice, it's about right and wrong. Yeah. I can run for public office, no? I, I just say it right. In one speech you can say, as long as you don't have to answer any questions. You can say, I don't know, and that works every time. Wait, I mean, not wait. But there are exceptions. The classic exception, the most notorious exception is Amalek. Amalek is a chutzpinik. Amalek doesn't come along and say, excuse me, Let's be kind. Amal doesn't come along and say, excuse me, we have to kill those people because justice has to be served. Amalek says, I don't care. I mock Hashem, I laugh in his face. Midian is like Amalek. But it has a different agenda. Amalek's agenda is to make a joke out of the Ebishter. Midian's agenda is to divide people. The core... The essence, the mahus of the nation of Midian is modern Their Mediva, their whole essence. They see people getting along, they can't sit still. Gotta create politics. There's gotta be, there has to be agitation. People have to fight. If there's no fight, there's no life. I'll tell you a true story. A true story. A friend of mine told me this story. It's, 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 I'm laughing because it's so amazingly sad and tragic. There's a person in a place, a very nice man, a fine Jew, wonderful person, but he is very political. 
He's always leveraging. There's always friends and enemies. If he has no friends and enemies, he's not, he's not alive. Unless he has someone that he hates and loves, <laughs> so he drives up to a street corner and he sees a rabbi in the street corner. He rolls down his sleeve. You want to ride? Sure, climb into his car. Guess in this car, they're driving a few blocks. <laughs> and he says to him, do you know that I was very upset at you? He says, no. You don't know I was upset at you? He says, no. Don't worry, I'm not upset at you anymore. He says, okay, good, good. They drive a few more blocks. He says, do you know why I was upset at you? He says, no. Do you want to know why I'm upset at you? Why would I want to know? You're not upset at me anymore? It's not good. <laughs> Quiet. They drive a few more blocks. And the guy goes into a rage. <laughs> he gets a whole new fight. How you talking? You don't want to know why I was angry at you. You understand? Some people need, they need divisions. They need politics to exist. This is Midian. That's why you have to kill Midian. Moev has got his issues. Moev is not tzaddik. But Moev is not all bad. Moev is a nation. They have their strengths, they have their weaknesses, they have their priorities, they have their, their, their misdeeds, their misgivings. Midian's essence is to divide. There's nothing, Midian doesn't even make a pretense of saying I'm a nice guy. I live on politics, I live on war, I can't live with peace. Just like Amola can't tolerate the people who worship God. Even though when he fights with God, he's going to get killed for it. It's not about winning or losing, it's about defying so Amalek's enemy is the Abishtan. Midian's enemy is peace. And can it ruin? He cannot rest if there's peace. This is what the Abishtan says. Listen, you had politics with Midian and politics with Moev. Moev caused you to sin, Midian caused you to sin. But there's a difference. Moev had a reason. Maybe Moev also doesn't like you. Maybe Moev doesn't like you. But you cannot say that the essence of Moev is to try and make you sin. But it is the essence of Midian. Midian has no identity. If you take away from the world politics, Midian dies. It has no purpose to be. So the Maimus says, and on page 8, okay, uh, you have page 8 and 9 and 10a and 10b and 11 and 12 and 13 and 14 and 15. So you'll be busy till midnight. So plenty. There's no shortage of what to learn. Okay, but we'll just do a little bit. He says, Behegdim inyin klipas Midian. You see, we're reading the second paragraph. We have to analyze what is Midian. Page 8. Midian is a clipper. But it's not like Midian is kind. But it's too kind. So it lets little kids play with razor blades. Okay. It's not like Midian is too... What's the word I'm looking for? Too vindictive. Too worried about enforcing the law that they punish innocent people. Midian doesn't even have an excuse... Midian doesn't even have a, a pretense, a shtel, an attempt to look good. Midian says, my identity is that people should not get along. That's his whole message. There's nothing more to him. Hashem says to Moshe, wipe him out. We don't need this. This is shlechts. It's shlechts. Midian is to Yidin, what Amalek is to the Abisha. That's what they are. Let's see it inside. Hine. Klipas Midian Midian is the enemy of Shem Avaya. Now I want you to know, most clippers leave Havaya alone. And they say to Havaya, Havaya, I won't bother you. You don't bother me. They pick another Kim. They think another Kim comes as a Chanetz again. Midian and Amalek, there's no, there's no pretense. There's no act. There's no shtel. There's trouble. So they fight with Shem Havaya itself. The Midian, Ulash, and Modun, Their whole idea is Modun, is, 
is, is to create uh, dissent, umriva, and combativeness and dispute. Hainu, in other words, the clip of Midian, who, the idea of Midian is, hapinyin, hapirud, vayischalkos, to separate and divide with two people. He loves when people hate each other, he doesn't even know why, it doesn't even matter why. Upirud, alavav, is separating people's hearts from one another. It's the opposite of peace and love, which are properties of Kedush. And the Maimah continues. So the Alta Rebbe says, you with me? When a Yid loves another Jew, loving another Jew, Shalom and Shalva Achtas between Jewish people is a candy for the Avah Hashem. And in this Maimed, the Rebbe spends two whole pages, page Kuf Mem, Kuf Peites and Kuf Tzadik, gives a whole Kabbalistic explanation why that there's many Jews, there's many Yidin, and Yidin are disparate, we're split, we're separate. And when Yidin unite themselves in spite of their differences, this brings down Havaya. So Midian says, I don't like Havaya, I'm going to create splits between Yidin. That's his whole life, this whole Emma, his whole Shtelis, we got to create divisions amongst Jews, and then he's happy. The clip of Midian is the opposite of Hashem Havaya. And the Rebbe says, in case you don't understand, the Chaloyus Taichin Zeh, he says, This is why this last Golos lasts so long. The Begol is Bavel. When Yidin were exiled in Bavel, after all, you have Venus Chamudas, but yes, Yidin did terrible Avenus. Ukmaim, as Abdi Gmar says, Vitar Akadish Baruch Hashem overlooked. Jews in the time of the first place of Mikdash were worshipping idols, were committing adultery and were killing one another. But they were also doing Bittl Tate, and that's why the base Mikdash was destroyed. nevertheless, The Gulf lasted seventy years. They did terrible Avedis. Severe, severe, severe Avedis. And Hashem gave them the base of Mikdash. Shenkin goes as opposed to this last Golos. In the Ovar the spring has passed and the summer has gone. Vadai and Lane and Shona, we have not yet been helped. In other words, we're sitting in Golos. And how many years? 1,938 or 39 years, depending on who you ask. A long time. It's hatred and nobody even knows why. The Ain's Thesel Mashomer Azal. There's no contradiction between this and what the Gemara says. Rishaydim Shenizgal Avoynim Mizgal Akitzam. The Gemara says, why was the first place Amitish Golos so short? Because we know what the Aveda was. Achreinim Shalayin Mizgal Avoynim Mizgal Akitzam. We are in Golos. We don't even know why. We don't even know why. That's why the Golos lasts so long. We don't know what to fix. He says, Mikomokam Ain's Thesel. This is no contradiction. The Mashin is by a little to what we discussed. This goes is alone because of want and hate. Unbaseless. I, I don't like that person and I forgot why. Forget, you know. If you say, I like that person, I forgot why. You don't need a reason. But you don't like a person, you don't even know why. This came as a hill. It's like Baal Pa'ed. We said the elder said he was doing his bodiness and we're using the bathroom. You understand? I don't even know. It's one and the same thing. The oven there. Shalein is gala. What does it mean? We don't know what the sin is. Because there is no explanation. Nothing to reveal. It's sin as chinam. You hate for no reason. Kemata is atme. A person convinces himself that he has a reason to hate. 
I'm sorry, he tells himself, but really, it's, he hates him for a good reason. He has a good reason. He has a very good reason. He's, he's hating him because he's very pious. When that isn't the children, he is not guilty at all. When is God's he is guilty. And he refuses to admit that he's hating another Jew for no reason. He's telling himself that he's a big tzaddik, the other guy is no good. We don't admit to ourselves that this hatred is wrong. We all explain that we were such big tzaddikim and are not liking him, not liking the other guy. So because we don't admit that we're doing something wrong, we can never uh, correct it. So Midian represents this. The nation, the physical people of Midian, had this, this character that lived off the scent. It lived off the vision. This is why Hashem says to me, have to be wiped out. And in the next paragraph he says, before the Tater could be given, Yisrael, who was a Midianite, had to be corrected. And now at the end of the 40 years, before Mesha Rabbeinu passes away, Hashem says to Mesha, you have to kill Midian. Or it says in Hasidus, only Moshe could fight with Midian. You know why? You know why? It says in Hasidus, that when you have an enemy, when you have an enemy, and the nature of the enemy is specific. Like let's say your enemy is permissiveness. Right? We live in America. Right, this is not this is not Soviet Russia. This is not uh, authoritarian environments where everybody has to watch how they walk, watch they behave. America is a very free country. It's the freest country in the history of the world, and we don't know even know. How. We say these words, we don't even know what they mean. We're so free, it's unbelievable. But we're failing the test of freedom miserably because we're so free, we could do whatever we want. So doing whatever we want should mean I can do mitzvahs and I can learn Torah and I can be nice to other people. Instead it means I can do whatever I want, I can, I can diminish myself as a human being. But the core, the essence of this civilization is freedom. Freedom is a good thing. If you're fighting with somebody and you know what mido, what they represent, you know how to fight with them. If you live in, uh, in a different society, which is very carefully controlled and everybody behaves, but there's a lot of anger, a lot of vindictiveness, a lot of vengeance, a lot of killing and punishing, all in the name of the law. You also know, you know the nature of your enemy, you know how to fight him. But when you're fighting with the enemy, and the whole enemy is fighting, it's very difficult to fight with such an enemy. Because you need to not tell yourself, this guy is pure bad. I shouldn't even hear him, I shouldn't listen to him, I shouldn't give him time of day. He is pure schlechts. Midian's identity is simply to create divisions and splits amongst Yidin. You have to kill Midian, not negotiate with Midian, because there's nothing to negotiate. Hasidus says that strength to destroy Midian and not get talked into Midian's very fancy ways of explaining why politics is a good idea requires Meshach Rabbeinu himself. That's what it says. Moshe had to do this. Anybody less than Moshe would be sweet talked into it's all the Shem Shemaim. Oh, politics. It's all very important, very necessary. <laughs> Moshe has to kill Midian because Moshe's bitl Hashem and his strength of character will affect that he could kill Midian. Not, just not listen to Midian. That's what it says in Chazidus. Now, before I finish the class, I want to turn to page 10. Okay, not much longer. It's an hour and five minutes and 54 seconds. Mamish, a few more minutes. I'll let you go in a couple minutes. This Moirev Rabbi is the classic Hecholzu, the famous Hecholzu. And I'm sorry about the notes, the scribbling. 
If you can't read it, don't worry, I can't read it either. And I wrote it, so that's a... <laughs> um, this is the Maimed Echotzu. The Maimed Echotzu is, is a masterpiece, it's a classic. It was published by the Friedrich Rebbe in Tafshin Test, 1949. In the 50th anniversary, the Maimed was said the first time in a nut. And the Friedrich Rebbe tells the story of the Echotzu. Friedrich Rebbe tells the story. It was Tafresh Nuntes, 1898. And there was a particular individual in Lubavitch who was a relative of the family, Ashneas, I believe. A very smart man. He came to Sachasid, this very intelligent person. But a harter He was a hard man. And he had little patience for what he viewed as less than people. He was a big intellectual. He was a big philosopher. And his... <laughs> His, you're not even you're not even worth me to insult you. Demeanor it created a very very unpleasant uh, atmosphere in the at that time. And the Rebbe Rashab felt that he has to speak out because it created a very negative energy. So the Friedrich Rebbe says it was Simchas Teira. Now in Cholzu is Pashas Matis, which is in the three weeks. And the three weeks we don't speak. You and I can talk about it because what we say doesn't matter. The Rebbeim are so careful. You know the way the way we are talking here. The Rebbe is so careful to say that Jews don't like each other. You would never hear the Rebbe say such words, especially during these three weeks. But it was simchasteira. Simchasteira. The Rebbeim fangzogn. Simchasteira shatnish. Simchasteira. You could say the truth. It's not going to have adverse effects. And the Fidik Rebbe said, everybody came to me for kiddush. The Fidik Rebbe was already a married man at that time. He was all of eighteen years old. He was married for a little over a year. Got married in the end of the summer, Reish Nunzayin. This is the beginning of the year, Reish Nuntes. And there was a Kiddush. And everyone came to Kiddush. And they said, L'chaim. But they said, L'chaim. All of a sudden, the door opens, and then my father walks in from the Fede Kerem. It was Simchas Teire, and they, they had a couple of drinks, more than a couple of drinks. Simchas, the Fede Kerem. And the Rebbe, the Tata Zarein, she Imagine what happened to us. Here we were, we were all in the Simchas Teire looseness, and the Rebbe walks in. The Rebbe Rashab walks in, and all of a sudden the Mashkin Gemara says, Yayin Nafige. Strong wine, fear removes it. They all sobered up instantaneously. And the Rebbe said, Ich Kiddush. The Rebbe says to his son, I came to you for Kiddush. And he sat down, and he said, that a cholt is a piece of work. It's a minimum of two hours. Of talking minimum. We don't even have the holy cholt. It's not finished. Two weeks later, Pashas Neach, the Rebbe said the cholt again. The Rebbe felt that the cholt hadn't had its full impact. So he repeated the cholt again. The Rebbe Rasha. The Maimer Echotzu is a very powerful Maimer. There's a lot of mysticism, a lot of deep Haskol and Kabbal and Avoidah. There's a very deep Maimer. But there's a lot of below-the-belt musr. There's a lot of straight talk about politics and hating people and forgetting why. And the nature of people to assume that you're not supposed to be friends with everybody. And it grabs you, you know, where it counts. The Echotz has been translated in English. You can buy it. It's a powerful moment. There's a lot of stuff about Chochmah and Teyu and Tikkun. If you like Kabbalah, by all means. But the beginning of the Echotz which talks about sinas chinam, is so compelling, it's so strong, it's so 
direct and so relevant in these three weeks. Let's sit a few minutes. I'm not going to keep you long. Sit a few minutes and I read a little bit from the Hechot. Okay? Page 11. Okay, there's 10a and 10b, page 11. Which is page Nun Vav in the Hebrew text. You with me? Vezehu Masha Klipas Midian or Sinas Chinim says the Rebbe, Klipas Midian or Sinas Chinim is wanton hatred. Dafke. And he translates. You know what it means, Sinas Chinim? Shahasino Eino Mitzat Ezeprat. You don't hate a person for any particular reason. Shagodom Leezerah. That he did something bad to you. Or you should prat, or you disagree with him about something. if you hate a person because he hurt you or because you don't agree with him, there would be an emotion attached to that hatred. Jealousy, vengeance, equity, fairness. If you hate a person for a reason, it qualifies, it limits the hate. This is not part of the Klippa of Midian. Klippa of Midian's whole identity is division without any basis whatsoever. It falls from Shri Sakalim, from Teyu. Mimidas Hagavuras the Teyu, from the Gvuras of Teyu, Shuakas, Rasina. It's anger and hatred. Amenagi to his opposition in the Chulu. Because he opposes him, that's why he competes and he argues with him. When you hate a person for a reason, so there's a basis for the emotions. Aval, as opposed to Eden in Hamodin Vahari, Vahasina, the Klippas Midian, the combativeness and the divisiveness and the hatred of the Klippa of Midian, there's no reason why he hates. He cannot tolerate somebody else. He never met him, he doesn't know him. He never had anything to do with him. He just hates. Why? He doesn't know. Hating for no particular reason. He hates him for nothing. For no particular reason. Maybe he comes up with an explanation. I hate you for this reason. But first comes the hate. Then comes the excuse. Not first comes the excuse. Then comes the hate. Think about it. Think about it. I believe personally. That's my humble opinion that to love and embrace and be nice to people requires greatness. The natural tendency of people is to be afraid of people. They put walls. You hear a person in the street, you walk by each other, you look at each other, look at each other. Nobody wants to nod first. The guy won't nod back. Then it'll be a waste of a nod, right? So you're like walking, you're like hedging. A half a nod, a quarter of a nod, an eighth of a nod. But if I don't nod and he nods, I look like a not a nice guy. Because I got it. It's a What you walk up the street and looking at each other like this? If you're my friend, hello, how are you? But if you're not my friend, not if you're my enemy. If I don't know you, look at the person. If I say hello to that person, what happens if that person turns out to be not sophisticated enough that I'm their friend, then zero people are going to see me talking to them and Schultz going to make a bad reputation on me. The Sahazaha Klinkite. It's such a smallness. I, I think 
it's such a dumb thing. Could you imagine people walking the streets saying hello to each other? And by the way, women to women and men to men. I'm not talking about the plishtim, open-minded. Open-minded, the brains fall out of the head. But it's such a simple thing to claim that this, I need a reason to tell a person hello. Why you need a reason? Why you need a reason? This is media. This is media. Division. It's such a stupidity. It's such a stupidity. It's such a stupid thing. It's lechayda. Everybody, yeah, I agree 100 percent. When everybody else says hello, I'll say hello too. <laughs> right? That, that's my philosophy. <laughs> this is Midian. You have to kill Midian. And it takes Moshe Rabbeinu to kill Midian. Okay, we'll call it a class. It's enough. <laughs>